Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome back to Mutual Presents and Happy New Year, everyone! Or at least Happy Near New Year. I'm CEO of the Mutual Audio Network, Jack Ward, with my familiar and co-host, Penny the Cat. This week, we're back to Mutual Radio Theater with a double feature, The Contractor, and I Thought She Was Dead. So wind back those clocks and start your countdown for 2024. This is Vincent Price. One contracts for a house to be built, for grain to be shipped, for an airplane to be constructed, and so on. And one can also contract to take another person's life. Listen to this. Yeah, I can hire somebody to bump off Kirkwood, but it'll cost you some dough. How much? Oh, like five or ten thousand bucks. Which is it, Bayard? Five or ten? You make it sound like a dime store. How much is it gonna cost? Look, Mr. Ashland, I won't know for sure until I contact the hitman. You know one? Sure. His name's Cannon. Cannon? <laughs> Good name for a trigger man, eh? Cannon. Milford Cannon. You sure you want me to contact him? I want Kirkwood dead. Enough to pay for it? Enough. Has this cannon done jobs for you before? No. How do you know he's any good? He's good. He won't go to the law. He won't even know who's hiring him. It's important my name be kept out of it. He'll never be mentioned. Well, how do I pay him? Half when he's hired, half when Kirkwood is eliminated. Well, go ahead, Bayard. Let me know how much cannon wants for a job. Five or ten. I'll sign a contract. And that's just the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, The Contractor by Ted Sherdeman. Our stars, Shepard Menken and Sidney Swire. Milford Cannon lived in a small apartment in a neighborhood that was aggressively middle class. He was an avid gun collector and coincidentally made his living as a contractor. He let it be known to the various town mobs that he was a hitman available for hire. He didn't think of the five men he'd killed already. <laughs> he thought of the first, but less of the second, and not at all of the third through the fifth. When you get used to something, you, you don't think of it much. And Cannon was used to doing what he did. So when the phone rang, he wasn't surprised by what he heard. Hello. Cannon? Who wants to know? This is Hartley Bayard. Is that you, Cannon? Uh, just a minute. I'll get him for you. Uh, you the guy that works for Ashland? I got a job for you. You want it or not? Yeah. How's the pay? Uh, 3500 Ah, oh, 
That was last year. Prices are up on everything. Like how much? Well, kind of depends on what you want me to do. It's a contract. Huh? On who? First, what's your price? Oh, four, maybe five grand. Well, which is it? Four or five? Four? Two down, two when the job's done. Okay, okay. Uh, who? Guy named Kirkwood. Kirkwood, Kirkwood. Never heard of him. Don't matter. Is it a deal? Yeah, okay. Where do I find him? Kirkwood spends a good deal of time at the athletic club. Kirkwood Athletic Club, yeah. Uh, when do I get the first payment? Tomorrow morning. Where shall we meet? The refreshment stand at Smyrna Park. Smyrna Park? Yeah. I'll have the money for you then. He's all set, Mr. Ashland. How much does Cannon want to do the job, Baird? Ten grand. Five down, five when the job's done. <laughs> Kirkwood. Getting rid of him is worth it. I'm to deliver the five to Cannon tomorrow morning. And when am I going to be rid of Kirkwood? By tomorrow night or the next day, Mr. Ashland. The sooner the better. The, uh, five G's, Mr. Ashland. Oh, yeah. Here. Hey, you don't have to count it, Baird. It's all there. <laughs> This must be the refreshment stand he mentioned. It's the only stand in Smyrna Park. And it's not open. Fine thing. Hitman doesn't show up. Of course, he didn't mention any special time. Just morning is all. Well, it's ten o'clock now, and I haven't seen a soul. I wish the stand was open. I could use a cup of coffee. Hey, wait a minute. Is that him? Is your name Cannon? Who wants to know? Hartley Bayard. Cannon. I, uh, I brought the money. Show me. Two grand, you say. It's all there. Uh, I don't count too fast. Finished now? Yeah, th this is only a down payment, you know. I know. Two now, two when the job's done. This Kirkwood guy, uh, he's in the DA's office. That's right. And if the newspapers are right, he might put your boss away for a long time. Your only interest is getting rid of Kirkwood. Well, if I had known for sure you worked for Ashland, my fee would have been double. You agreed to take a contract on Kirkwood for 4000 Now, look, I don't go back on my word, Bayard. Okay. As I told you, you can find Kirkwood at the athletic club. He likes to play squash. That's no place to waste a guy. On a squash court? I don't care where you do it. I only told you where you can see the target. Okay. When? When what? When are you going to do it? Oh, maybe maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I've got to tell my boss when. It'll be in a day or two. I told my boss you'd deliver soon. Well, just have the other two grand waiting for me, okay? Right here. As for your boss, he can read about it in the paper when it happens. So I can read about it in the papers when it happens. Cannon said he'd do it in a day or two. By that time, the whole world will know I'm guilty. I tried to pin him down, Mr. Ashley. You tried. You struck out. He said maybe it'd be today or tomorrow. Well, it better be. I want Kirkwood out of the picture now. 
If you don't know a good hip man, I'll find somebody who does. Look, Mr. Ashland, these things take time. Yeah, meanwhile, Kirkwood has painted me into a corner I can't get out of. Nobody can get me out of it. The judge will declare it a mistrial when Kirkwood fails to show up. If Kirkwood fails to show up. Cannon don't miss, Mr. Ashland. Not on his contracts. Hmm, two thousand bucks. Well, it's time you got to the supermarket, Milford. It's time to stock up on everything, including ammo. I better decide first what I'm going to use. He said the athletic club. Kirkwood likes to play squash. <laughs> Maybe I should stop there first and see what the target looks like. And I can stop at the supermarket on the way back. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll do. Uh, is that Mr. Kirkwood there? Uh, no, he won't get here until after quarter's out. Uh, when's that? About three or four. Uh, you okay if I watch till he shows up? Oh, sure. Hey, nice play there. <laughs> hey, you really do the money. Why not? He's a gangster. We got the dope on him. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> dope on him. Okay, okay. It's you, sir. Uh, that's Mr. Kirkwood there. Oh. Yeah, which one? Don't you know him? Uh, no, no, not by sight, no. Oh, there, the white, white-haired man. That old codger? He may have white hair, but he's spry as a 20-year-old. Hey, good shot. The other one, who's he? A pigeon Kirkwood challenge from the looks of it. Hey, he's good. Kirkwood, one of the best. Who's the best Well, I've seen all I need to see. Oh, you're going? Oh, yeah, yeah. I gotta get to the supermarket. Milford Cannon, hitman, has seen his target, a white-haired man named Kirkwood, who is a demon at playing squash. But now, with $2,000 in his pocket, Cannon is en route to the neighborhood supermarket to stock up. On the way, he reviews what gun he will select to fulfill his contract. He settles on a three fifty-seven Magnum he's been wanting to use ever since he bought it. He wonders whether he should make his victim squirm a little before delivering the lethal shot or just finish him off clean and easy. He decides the best course is the latter. A guy like Kirkwood won't squirm much, so it's better to finish him off clean and easy. There's less chance of being caught that way, too. He puts the contract out of his mind as he fills the shopping cart in the supermarket. He buys more than he intended because he finds himself following a lady with beautiful legs. She's a bit fat in the hips, but she has legs that won't quit and a face that's really beautiful. Cannon follows her all the way to the check stand and then finds another shopper has squeezed in behind her. So he has to take a different check stand. That'll be $44.33. <laughs> I can remember when the bill was about 20 bucks. So can I. Well, here's your change. $5.67. Uh, thanks. You lose something, sir? No, no, no. Just looking around. 
Uh, you know that lady? Which lady? At the next check stand. Um, no. Hmm. Well, night. Night, sir. It's going all over the place. Oh. Why don't you watch where you're going? Oh, I'll, I'll help you. You've already done enough. Oh. Bumping into me like that, oh. making me drop a sack. Oh, look, pli- look, please let me help you, will the you? The milk. It's running into everything. Well, you know the old saying. What old saying? No use crying over spilled milk. <laughs> Very funny. It's not your milk. Look, uh, I'm... Oh. Uh, this is very hard for me, but... Uh, let me make this up to you, huh? How do you make up for what you've done? Well, you could have dinner with me. Dinner with you? Yeah, I'm a good cook. Uh, a chef, almost. Uh, look, look I, I, I'd be pleased to prepare dinner for you, huh? Are you trying to pick me up? Well, uh, no. I saw you eyeing me at the check stand. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I was just... Trying to avoid bumping carts, that's all. You were eyeing me. Well, frankly, I was, yes. And you bumped into me on purpose? No, no, that, that, that was an accident. Honest. Did you mean it? Mean what? About inviting me for dinner. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, I did, I did. At your place? Well, we can go somewhere else if you'd like. Let's go to your place. Oh, I'll fix you a terrific meal. On one condition. What's that? Only dinner. After you, madam. This is where you live? Yep, yep. Welcome to my abode, or flat, or whatever you call it. I'd call it a junkie. What'd you say? Nothing. I guess you live here alone. You guessed right. Make yourself at home while I fix dinner. You know, we don't even know each other's name. Oh, uh, I'm Milford Cannon. I'm Roxana Ellesmere. Uh-huh. At least that was my married name, Ellesmere. Oh, you're a widow? No, I'm a divorcee. Dirty clothes, magazines all over the place. You've been living alone too long, Milford. Yeah. Uh, just throw them any old place, eh? Roxana. Wow. What a beautiful name. Thank you. I know. I'll clean up this place while you fix dinner. Oh, that, 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 that's not necessary. Oh, yes, it is. I'll clean while you cook. Well, that wasn't part of the deal, Roxana. It is if I want to sit down. I'm fixing veal piccata, Roxana. That's nice, Milford. That's veal with lemon slices. I know. I haven't had it for years. And potato au gratin. And snap beans, okay? Sounds wonderful. (laughs) I have the salad plates in the fridge so they'll get nice and cold. What kind of salad, Milford? Oh, just sliced tomatoes on lettuce leaves. But I have a wonderful Japanese dressing made of rice vinegar and sake to pour on. There. I'm through. 
Smells delicious what you're doing. Where did you learn to cook? From books. Living alone and all, you know. Well, I had to do something. I suppose so. Well, what do you think, Milford? About what? Should I use my married name, Ellesmere? I was married to a real drip. Oh, yeah? For how long? Less than a year. It was the pits. What I want to know is, should I use Ellesmere or my own name before I became a bride? Well, that's it's up to you, you know. What was your name before? Kirkwood. <coughs> oh, you dropped a plate. Here, let me clean it up. Uh, 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 what did you say? I said I'd clean it up. Uh, is, is there a dustpan and a broom in this place? Yeah, yeah. Here. I, I meant, uh, uh, what name, what, what name did you say? Oh, uh, Kirkwood. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I thought that's what you said. I moved in with my folks right after the divorce. Should I use Ellesmere or Kirkwood? <laughs> you dropped another plate. It's really delicious, Milford. Thanks, Roxana. Oh, <laughs> oh, what a beautiful name. Thanks. You're not eating much. Yeah. That's the way it is with cooks, you know. Ha! You've never seen a really thin chef, have you? Not some of them are, you know. You didn't answer me yet. About what? About whether I should change my name back to Kirkwood or keep on using Ellesmere. Well, you know, that, that depends. On what? Well, what does your father do? Oh, he's a lawyer with the DA's office mm -hmm. now. Maybe the last honest lawyer you'll ever meet. Oh, boy. Why should I meet him? You never know when you'll need a good lawyer and an honest one. These tomatoes with that dressing are really delicious. Thank you. Everything is delicious. <laughs> Thank you again. What do you do for a living? What? what? You just don't sit around reading those magazines about guns. Oh. Maybe that's the reason. Uh, 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 the reason for what? Why you have so many. I was busy cleaning up and I put your shirts from the laundry in one of the drawers. I had to open a few drawers and they were filled with guns. Yeah. Why so many? Well, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a hunter. With a handgun? Well, why not? <laughs> you mean you hunt and shoot animals? Uh, yep. <laughs> With handguns? Well, you know, I, I carry a handgun to protect myself from, uh, uh, well, snakes <laughs> and things like that, you know. But I counted at least eight of them. And I saw no rifle. Oh, well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, my hunting rifle's at the gunsmith's right now. It's, it's getting fixed, see? Mm, that must be the reason. Yeah. Uh, reason for what? You are a classic victim. Victim? Of what? Of the ads in all those magazines. You are an advertising writer's dream. You buy whatever the ad is selling. Oh, well, maybe so. But only if it's guns or ammunition. Right. That's the reason. Aren't you going to answer your phone? Oh, it'll stop ringing eventually. <laughs> you could stop it from ringing by answering it. Oh. Oh, well. All right. Hello. Cannon? Who wants to know? I know it's you. What are you doing sitting around home? Who wants to know? My boss wants to know when you're filling that contract on Kirkwood. Why is he so anxious? 
Come on, Cannon. He's got two G's invested, and he'll pay another two when you deliver. Like I said, he can read about it in the paper. So, I, uh, I answered the phone, Roxana. Yep. I, uh, I'd like to meet your father. You would? Honest? Honest. Was that what that phone call was all about? I mean, are you mixed up in a... Do you have a case for my father? Do you need a good lawyer? No, I, I, I don't think so, no. That heel I was married to, he never once met my father. And here on our first time together, you asked to meet him. That does it. Does what? I'm not going to use that creep's lousy name anymore. I'm changing it back to Kirkwood. Milford Cannon is romantically smitten by the daughter of the man he's contracted to kill. What is he to do? Cannon tries to reason. Roxana Kirkwood will get over the death of her father in time, or will she? And what of Cannon? Will he ever be able to look at her glorious face again, knowing that he wasted her father? And he's already been paid 2000 as a down payment for the job. Not only that, but he must purchase a rifle right away to make good on his story of hunting game. But he's never hunted a wild animal in his life. In spite of his gloomy thoughts, Milford Cannon, being a creature of habit, sits in his car across from the athletic club. He sees the white-haired target come out and start to go to his car. Cannon has the 357 Magnum out of its shoulder holster, and he aims the gun at Kirkwood's back. What the... I never did that before. Hello. You filled your contract yet, Cannon? Who's this, Bayard? Who are you expecting? Well, <laughs> a funny thing happened. I'm listening. Well, I, uh, I had a little bad luck. Like what? <laughs> Uh, I was sitting in my car across from the athletic club, and the target showed up, as I expected, and, uh, well, I forgot to load the piece. You what? Look, it could happen to anybody, Bayard. You forgot to... Oh, boy, I've heard everything. So I forgot. It was a new rod, and that... Look, Cannon, you got two grand already. I know all about that, and another two, and the job is done. I'll do it. Maybe tonight. You will if you want that fourth foul. My boss doesn't take kindly to people who welch on him. Who's welching? It was an accident. Which you'll meet with if you don't deliver. Goodbye, Cannon. What's that supposed to mean? Bayard? Bayard! Hey, he couldn't have had time to call back. Hello? Milford? Oh, it's Roxana. I've got something to tell you. You'll be at the apartment for a while? Why? I'll be right over. Then I'll wait for as long as it takes. I'm leaving now. This is important. Roxana? Roxana? And to think, if I'd have been talking to that creep Bayard, all my Roxana would have gotten is a busy signal. (sighs) I love that name. (laughs) Roxana. (laughs) Roxana. 
Oh, is that... Roxana. Ah, uh, my one and only. It's too important to talk about on the phone. What? That's why I had to see you. I'm glad. Do you know what my father found out? No. It was during the trial, this morning. An assistant found out, or investigator or somebody. You ready for this? For what? Ashland has put out a contract on my father's life. Oh, come again? I said that Ashland is... Oh, I, 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 I heard you. And he refuses to worry about it. Who? My father. Oh. The man who's behind it has already paid $5,000 to some hitman with another five after that when the job's done. Uh, 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 come again with those figures. Five down and five when my father no, is dead. No, it's two down and two more when your father's dead. No, five and five. How do you know? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm just guessing. I was never much good at math, you see. My father isn't the least bit worried. Uh, uh, does he know who the guy is? What guy? The hitman. No. The investigator didn't know that, but he knew Ashland had contracted for my father's life. And how much he'd pay? Five and five. Not two and two. Well, how'd he find out? I don't know. I have a favor to ask of you, Milford. Oh, anything, Roxana. It's not a very big one because you've got lots of them. Yeah, but lots of what? Guns. The favor is, I want you to protect my father. You want me to You've protect... got handguns, and you know how to use them, well, don't you? Yeah, I, I know how, but... I, it's, it's very simple, really. Until this blows over and the police catch the hitman, you protect my father. Now, how... What, it, <laughs> uh, uh, you're, you're not serious, are you? All you'd have to do is stay on the front porch of the house. Please, Milford. For me? Hey. You are serious. Oh, my. Oh, it's, it's hard to believe. What a stupid bunch... Yeah. Yeah, I'll see you in court tomorrow morning. Yeah, bye-bye. You know what my lawyer just told me. Well, how would I know? That lousy Kirkwood. How does he do it? How does he do what? My lawyer just told me the DA's office, the police, and Kirkwood know I got a contract out on him. No. And what I paid to have Kirkwood wasted. What? What you paid? They know everything but the trigger man's name. The 5000 down payment, the five grand when a job is done, everything. How did they find out? A good question, Bayard. How did they? Well, now, Mr. Ashland, you don't think I... I... Hey, 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 put away that gun. Who'd you go to first, Bayon? The DA's office or the police? I went to neither one. I, I didn't. Why should I? Yeah. Why should you? If it had been me, I'd have given them the name of their hitman, too, wouldn't I? Why didn't you, Bayon? I had nothing to do with them finding out. Honest. <sighs> Funny thing. But I believe you. <sighs> You know, I, I've always told you the truth, Mr. Ashland, about everything. I came down from my room to say goodnight, Milford. Ah, you look beautiful, Roxana. Because I feel secure. You've got a gun? Yeah, right here in its shoulder holster. I feel real secure now. You on the porch here guarding my father inside? Well, you know, it's not exactly necessary. The joint is crawling with cops. That's not the point. I know they're inside and outside the house. 
But your being here on the front porch, well, it comforts me. I know you'll keep him safe. Yeah. What makes you so sure, Roxana? Because I know you love me and want me to be happy. Oh, yeah, I sure do. But what if the gorilla, the, the trigger man, gets to Kirk with, uh, to your father in spite of everything? He, he might, you know. I'd still have you to love. Good night, Roxana. Good night, Roxana. Love your name, Roxana. <laughs> Even if I went inside and dusted off Kirkwood, it'd be a cinch to get caught with so many cops around. Oh, boy, the night fry for sure. And how about that Bayard who paid me only 2000 instead of the five he got? That means he's already made 3000 cash that he was supposed to pay me. Hey, maybe I'm hitting the wrong guy. Uh-oh. Who's this coming? Put up the gun. I'm a detective. Oh, yeah? How do I know? My name's Kenton. My wallet's in my hip pocket. Well, don't reach for it or you're dead. Then how do I prove who and what I am? Turn around real slow and keep your hands high. Yeah. Okay. I got the wallet. Yeah. Hey, you are a cop, and your name is Kenton. I said I was. Well, I had to make sure, didn't I? Can I put my hands down now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all right with me. You can put your gun away now. Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, uh, here's your wallet. Yeah, thanks. That's a fancy shoulder holster. Hey, thank you. And a mighty fancy handgun. Three fifty-seven. Three fifty-seven Magnum. Uh, what are you doing here? The same as you, keeping an eye out for Mister Kirkwood. At his request. No, no, no. Uh, Roxana's. Who? Roxana. She's his daughter. Oh, moonlighting, huh? What? Extra job, huh? From what? From your regular employment. You were a security guard? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I am now. Well, where'd you work? Hey, what is this, the third degree? You got a license to carry that gun? Well, what, what, what's that got to do with it? Answer the question. Well, sure. Show me. Well, I, I don't carry it on me. Where is it? it it's ho- home. Home, that's where it is. Where do you live? Look, look, I, I don't know what you're doing. We're leaving you with that gun. Now we'll go to your home and you'll show me the license you got to carry a concealed weapon... My guns have to go off. Vincent Price again, and here's the fourth act of The Contractor. I've been thinking. About Kirkwood, no doubt. Yeah, Kirkwood. And that hitman, Cannon, that we hired to erase him. I've been thinking it'd be foolish if anything happened to Kirkwood now. What? Well, Kirkwood knows he's a marked man. How much was paid for the job on him? Call it off. Call it off? You heard me, Bad. But what if Cannon's already done it? That's not likely we'd have heard about it. Call it off. You're out some dough already. So I lost 5,000 bucks before. This way I'm saving five Gs. Oh, I don't know. I, I... said call Kirkwood's death off. You get on the phone, contact the hitman, call off the deal. I don't want to risk it now. But the way Kirkwood's been going, you can get 20 years. Yeah, but I won't be tried for murder, which is what it'll be if anything happens to Kirkwood. I'll... I'll try. You do it. Tonight. My apartment's right at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. After you. It's locked. I always keep it locked. Yeah, it's good thinking. After you, sir? No, after you. You don't have to keep pointing that gun at me. I was just trying to be polite. 
Now the license. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the license. Where did I put that thing? Well, I suggest you start with the desk. Uh, this is a desk, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's sort of a desk, yes. More a chest of drawers. Well? Oh, well, I'll look for it. Must be here someplace. You'd be glad to help. No, 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 no. I'll find it. It's got to be here someplace. Long drawer, huh? Yeah. Let me think. Maybe you haven't got a license. Oh, I've got it all right. Just wondering where I put it. You have to keep pointing that gun at me all the time. Until you produce the license. Only until then. You see, I don't like to take chances. Can't you take my word for it? Nope. Hmm. Well, let's try this one. Not there. Uh, you close that drawer awfully fast. Well, there's nothing there, honest. Well, what have we here? Now don't move. There's nothing in there. Only a Smith & Wesson. Let's see. This is an outdoorsman, 38. And what is this? Oh, that's French made. It fires an 8-millimeter shell. <laughs> when you can get them. I see. It's hammerless and has a fold-down trigger. Yeah, yeah. You see, I'm sort of a collector. And so I see. And I do a lot of hunting. Mm -hmm. Where are the rifles? Well, I... Uh, I, I only have one. It's at the gunsmith's. It's being repaired. Mm -hmm. What do you do with all these handguns? Well, I, I carry one when I go hunting uh, with my rifle. I see. You got a copy of your hunting license? No. Do they give you one? As a rule. Well, what do you think of that? You want to look some more or you just want to go down to the station with me? Uh, you want to answer that? Huh? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, if it's all right with you. Uh, then do so. Yeah. Uh, hello? Cannon? Yeah. I tried to get you earlier. Yeah, I was out. My boss has changed his mind. Yeah? Uh, about what? You're not to erase Kirkwood. The deal is off. Got that? You mean it? I do. The contract is off. Uh, what, what about the, uh... uh... Oh, okay. Huh. What do they What do they do to guys who, who carry guns without a license? I, I, I mean, who, who can't find their license? Well, if there's a record of you uh, having one, nothing. If no license was ever issued, uh, it's a felony. A felony? Uh, that that means. That... Yeah, depending on who you are, you could get a minimum of one year in a state prison. Hello? Roxana? Yes, who's this? Milford. Oh, where are you? Well, that's sort of hard to explain. You're not on the porch guarding my father. Oh, no, not now. Well, where are you? Roxana, you'll never believe this. Try me. I'm... I'm, I'm at police headquarters. Where? Well, you see, I, I didn't have a license, and the law picked me up. I told you the place was crawling with cops. Milford, where are you? At the jailhouse. What did you do? Well, I... I I told you already, I didn't have a license to carry a gun. But I thought... Oh, dear. Roxana? Yes, Milford? I need a lawyer. I'll wake up my father. He'll be right down. And I'll come with him. Um, but one thing, Milford. What? You must tell my father everything. Everything? Everything. He's honest, and he only handles honest clients. Well, after I got the job, I, I met your daughter, and 
Well, I guess I fell in love with her. Oh, Milford. Well, anyway, I was standing guard on your front porch when this flat... Officer, if you don't mind. Uh, Excuse me, sir. This officer came up and asked if I had a license to carry the gun I had. And he didn't have one, sir, and none had been issued. We even went back to his apartment, and I found seven or eight other handguns in a chest of drawers. Just as I did, Milford. Well, I, I told him I used them when I went hunting. That's what you told me. I never hunted wild game or anything, Mr. Kirkwood. I, I don't even own a rifle. That figures. Then when Roxana told me about Mr. Ashland paying $5,000 plus another five when you cashed in your chips, I only got two grand, Mr. Kirkwood. And after Mr. Kirkwood's demise? Another two. I've got about 1200 left from the first two. You were going to shoot my father? No, I couldn't, Roxana. Not after I fell in love with you. That's why you said two and two when I said five and five. Yeah. The guy named Bayard stood to make more out of the caper than I did. Six to my four. And he was just a messenger boy. Oh, you know, you can't trust anybody anymore. Well, Mr. Kirkwood, looks like we got you hit, man. What is, Mr. Ashland? Well, according to the morning newspaper, your hitman, Milford Cannon, was picked up by the police. Cannon? A misdemeanor charge has been filed against him. Guess who's defending him? Well, how would I know? Mr. Kirkwood. Did, did Cannon talk? All the paper says is that he was paid $2,000 as a down payment. Two? But you took five from me. Where's the other three, Bayard? Why, he lied. I give him five. Your face gives you away, Bad. You gave him two. Put up that gun, Mr. Ashland. I wouldn't cheat you. The three grand, Bad. You'll be up for murder if that goes off. The three... I... I... All right. Here's the three grand. You see? I'm counting it out for you. As for being up for murder, it depends on whether they ever find your body. Boys, give me some cement overcoat and drop them in the river, will you? The Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, The Contractor, was written by Ted Sherdeman and produced and directed by Fletcher Markle. Your host was Vincent Price. Our stars were Shepard Mencken and Sidney Swire. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Norman Alden, Byron Kane, and Carol Bilger. The music for Radio Theater was composed and conducted by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliott Lewis production of Radio Theater is a presentation of CVI. This is Cicely Tyson. Join us tomorrow when I'll have another story that illustrates one of love's many faces.
This is Cicely Tyson. The other day, I was having lunch with a few friends at a well-known restaurant in Hollywood when an attractive woman in her, possibly in her mid-fifties, came over to our table. I enjoyed your last film, Miss Tyson. It was a pleasure to watch your performance. I was startled, but thanked her. And in an instant, she was gone. I recalled she'd been a movie star in the 40s and early 50s. And I'd recently seen one of her last films on The Late Show. I recalled most of her movies, but still couldn't remember her name. I started to reflect on the sadness of the moment, how fame and fortune were so very elusive. It was a pity that this once glamorous star was now forgotten, and how temporal one's existence can be. Then her name crystallized in my mind, and I blurted it out. Elaine Chapman. That was the Elaine Chapman. Oh, my. Of course. She hasn't been in a movie for years. I thought she was dead, said my friend. And that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, I Thought She Was Dead, by Ken Gerard. Our star, Marion Ross. Contrary to my short memory... Elaine Chapman was alive and well. True, she hadn't made a film in nearly 30 years and was completely out of the public's eye. But something was starting to stir inside her. She began to think of a comeback, of renewing her career. Why not? Both her children were in college and very self-sufficient. It was something to explore, which she did at dinner one evening with her daughter Kimberly, a junior at USC, and her son, Greg, who was in his last year at UCLA. I saw Uncle Max on television last night. Really? I didn't know he was acting again. He was on a talk show, pushing his latest clients, the Vultures. Can you believe it? The the what? They're a new rock group. <laughs> the worst. They can't sing, can't play guitar. You wouldn't believe this bunch. They're all dressed in black sheets and wearing lipstick. It's out of sight. I bet their fees are out of sight, too. They packed the amphitheater last week at $15 a head. I can't imagine Max handling those sort of people. Well, he's changed. Your darling Max is now wearing gold chains, jeans, and sneakers. How do you like them apples? Oh, that's incredible. I, I mean, Max, he's 70 at least. Oh, yeah, must have been a joke. No. My wonderful godfather was the hippest, most with it guy on that show. The audience just loved him, which doesn't hurt any future bookings for us, as he said, his boys. You know it. None of Max's clients ever are out of the spotlight. Or the money. If he likes you. You can name your own price, choose your own part, even pick the director. Yes, I remember. Yeah, Max is the top agent today. He's got everybody, everybody. Why, he even took that, uh, what's your name? 
Oh, you know, Kim, that, that woman who was in one of Mom's pictures? Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, Charlotte Gray, and, and put her in the... Excuse me. I want to I, I get something in the kitchen. Mom? What's the matter with her? You are the biggest, biggest jerk. What did I do? Everything. Greg, I wish that... Oh, never mind. Kimberly, what is going on? Just go to your room and shut up, understand? Don't talk. Don't say one word. Oh, boy. I think you're the most insensitive person I've ever, ever met. Why can't you keep that big mouth from running? About what? Mom, that's what. Well, I only said I it. know what you said, and I wish you hadn't. It was harmless. I didn't mean anything. So Charlotte Gray got a part, a part in a stupid television Please show. Please, turn it off. I really did it, huh? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll tell her. No, let it pass. She wants to go back to work. Oh? Roberto de Leone sent her a script. Roberto? Oh, no. When did that arrive? Last week. He wants her to play the part of... It's unbelievable. Profane, idiotic, and insulting. I think the writer ought to be shot. Would you get to the punchline? It's an R-rated movie. She's supposed to... It's not the sort of film she should be in. Nudity, bad language, violence. You'll probably make a mint. That's just what I expected from you. <sighs> Mom is considering a dirty movie. She's going to get undressed? No. However, I imagine she's the only one. Well, what's the big deal? Because it's a third-rate piece of trash to be directed by a vulgar man. Oh, the plot is beautiful. An oil company executive is seduced by guess who? His family's destroyed and his wife is murdered. Again, by guess who? Mm. We better have a family discussion. That would be nice. I'll knock it off, Kimberly. Why don't you tell me this sooner? I did, but you were so busy with your own personal problems that you didn't listen to me. Now, that's below the belt. Sometimes you hit really low, really low. All right, here's our dessert. Greg, will you do the honors? I'm sorry, Mom. For what? Oh, for being... Insensitive. Let's skip it, shall we? Don't you want some pie? No, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Let's change the subject, shall we? Why must you do this movie? Couldn't you have discussed it with us? I could have, but I didn't. Would you mind showing us the script? Why? You've already read it. I skimmed it. Then what's the point? Is it the sort of movie we'd be proud of? We? I don't know that Roberto has offered either of you parts. Mom, it's not for you. It's a cheap film. At least it's a role. It's something. You're not being selective. Selective? My dear children, I haven't been offered anything in years. Years. They don't even carry my picture in the Academy directory. And I am tired of being a has-been. I hate it. Yeah, but that's no reason to jump at the first role you're offered. I'll consider mob scenes at this point. Mom, please. You know Roberto makes junk. He'll only use you to promote himself. Fine. I am ready to be used. And paid. Does Max call? No. He's too busy hyping that pimply rock group or recruiting... No, no. Launching the career of that vapid Charlotte Gray. Kimberly, when I was in my prime, that woman could barely remember two lines. Besides, she's had a facelift and she's married to an executive producer of some studio. She's not acting. She's being promoted. I just think it stinks. Then why compound your frustrations by taking part in this stupid movie? Haven't you been listening? I want to work. 
I want to do something. Anything. I just can't sit home anymore. Well, let's call Max. We'll have him get you a decent role. No. You were his top star, Mom. He needed you at that point, and now he owes you. I, I won't have you pressuring Max. Greg Chapman, that is not the way that I want you to handle things. I forbid you to call Max. <sighs> but, Mom, it's better than... No! Well, the discussion is closed. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going out for the evening. In the bad mood, but nevertheless going out. Where are you going? Out, O-U-T, with friends. Don't wait up. We really handled that well. Damn. Damn. I should have spotted this months ago. I don't understand. She was talking about a comeback. <laughs> we even laughed about it and started playing what if. If she won the Academy Award, if she was famous again. I thought it was a joke. Maybe she should see somebody. A psychiatrist? Yes. No way. Not in a thousand years. Who's she going out with tonight? Some movie people. Mostly bit players. They probably think Mom will do something for them. Sounds like a real sincere crowd. Well, what should we do? Call Max. Let's get his advice. curious about Elaine Chapman. Why had she disappeared so abruptly from the screen? I borrowed one of her films from a friend at the National Studios and ran it at my home. At the end of the movie, I had my answer. Elaine was a gifted actress whose talents could not be applied to the mindless beach ball pictures of the 50s or the method acting films of the 60s and certainly not the pseudo-mature films of the 70s. In other words, she was a superb craftsman out of sync with the flow of her industry. It was a loss for all of us. But to return to our story, against his mother's wishes, Greg called Max, Elaine's agent, father confessor, and guiding spirit. In turn, Max called Elaine and made a luncheon appointment with her. Elaine, Elaine, darling, come here. Oh, my oh. dear, dear Max. <laughs> sit, sit, sit. Waiter, bring me another carbonated water and for Madame Martini. Very, very dry. Go, go. You never forget. You, you're my best star. Max always remembers. And so, how is my godchild, Kimberly? Kimberly is so square, it's appalling. Good. And Gregory? I hardly see him. And how are you? Look at me for yourself. Seventy-three years old, no tie, nothing that matches, and wearing jewelry. Oh, but Max, that's, that's the today image. Men my age wearing chains, wearing little charms. I should be in a wheelchair instead of dressing like a tangle dancer. But you look wonderful. You're, you're with it. Look, look, my love beads, huh? They're antacid pills. <laughs> oh, Max, you are terrific. Tell me about it. Oh. <laughs> oh, Elaine, it's this business, this crazy business. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so successful. I could sit home and watch football in my bathrobe. I wish that I were successful. 
Liebchen, you are successful. Was, Max, was. Elaine, darling, you made movies, real cinema, not this garbage they force on the people now. Well, that was a thousand years ago. Oh, you were a big star, big box office. Not for years. Well, you haven't been offered the right role. Why, Max, am I that, that old, that ancient... Elaine, you are a beauteous woman. Well, then why? Max, I can't sit around any longer. I want to work. Anything. Bit parts, cameos, you know, just, just something. No, it would ruin your image. What image? I'm not a starlet. I don't, I don't have to be seen or lied about. Max, get me a movie with a substantial role. Please. Oh, my. Greg never told me it was this serious. Oh, the children put you up to this. Well, why not? They're worried. Kim said you were considering one of those kind of films. It's a small part, and I didn't say yes. I had to do something. You never called. Did you sign anything? Not yet. Good. Elaine, Roberto De Leone, that director, is a no-good nick, a gypsy. They even reject his movies for drive-ins. He's very big in Europe. So why is he here? Shall I tell you? Because they lynch him if he ever shows his face in Italy again. Well, the religious movies were a little offbeat. Oh, offbeat, insulting. He offended not only the Vatican, but also the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, they have no sense of humor. Correct. Religion is not stand-up comedy. It was satire. Well, next time, let him try politicians. They're all a joke. Oh, that doesn't change the subject. I haven't read for anything in ten years. In five. Remember, you offered a role in The Demons of PS6. Being strangled by a crazed six-year-old possessed of the devil... One scene, no lines. What a great comeback. I haven't had a decent part since the 50s. I'm good. I want to work. Max, it's, it's, just, it's just important to me. No, no, Elaine, darling, I understand. No, you don't. The children don't. I am tired of playing mother. I've given everything to those kids. They're wonderful and they're, and they're self-sufficient. Okay, okay. I, I don't know what oh, to say. Oh, don't patronize me. This is too important. I'll do anything. Pie in the face, walk-ons, even television. Max, we'll try. No, Max, you've got to do. So I have to give Roberto my answer by Thursday. I, I, I can't manufacture roles for you, and, and, and you shouldn't do the stupid movie, Elaine. Think of your fans. Fans? Most of them are in nursing homes. Oh, don't be too harsh on yourself. All right. I'll, I'll stall, Roberto. I don't want to do that picture. But action, Max. I want action. I, I'll call around. But the darling acting, acting ain't box office no more. Sex? Sure. Horror? Why not? Fiction? Science? You've got to be 20 and look good in a spacesuit. Acting, sweetheart, is the thing of the past. I want to go home and die. You're lucky. Your career's behind you. Me, I go to the office every day and die. The vultures, oh my, these three dirty old men who can't carry a tune. You know they get $50,000 in appearance? It's a disgrace. And this Charlotte Gray, she makes me sick. 
Yes, what about Charlotte? Max, that woman couldn't act her way out of a paper bag. Tell me about it. Don't you think I know, huh? Well, how'd she get this, this starring role and this return? Connections. Well, didn't you put the deal together? Charlotte, the producer, and this wonderful TV series? No, it was handed to me. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Why can't you do something like that for me? You want to know? Number one, the producer is Charlotte's husband. Two, the writer is a nephew. And three, her husband's family are the major stockholders in a bank. And guess what? The bank is financing the series. Go to the head of the class. Why do they need you? For window dressing. I am a well-known agent. Therefore, it looks okay. Hollywood really is the pit. Oh, you think this doesn't happen in other businesses? Don't you delude yourself. How many junior executives with talent, with brains, are passed over in favor of the boss's sons or cousins? How many senior executives in corporations are eased out or fired to make room for a friend of a friend or a relative of a relative? No, no, no. Don't point at Hollywood, because the practice is widespread. I'm sorry, Max. I didn't mean to attack you. I understand. You, with all your talent, are sitting at home, stewing. It seems so hopeless. No, no, no. You're wrong, because the young man who's being passed over and the actress who's been pushed aside have not only their talents, but drive and persistence. In the end, it all comes full cycle. The company goes down the tubes and the movie, ugh, the movie is a flop. You'll see. I wish that I could believe that. I got it. I got it. What? Commercials. You can make a television commercial. Yes, a dignified commercial. Like a bank officer or a stockbroker. I love it. I know just the guy, and he owes me one. Call him. You bet, my darling. We'll play their silly game. Oh, yes, Elaine Chapman will return with style, grace, and dignity. Oh, Max, it will be wonderful. Waiter, Cartier, my angel, your career is just beginning again. made one well-placed phone call. And soon, Elaine had an appointment with a producer of television commercials. Nicholas Wardell and Associates. I'm sorry, Mr. Wardell is in a meeting. Yes, this, this is what... Oh, Barbara, I didn't recognize your voice. Uh, let me just check the calendar. Uh-huh. Tuesday will be just fine. You bring your portfolio and a resume. Mm. And nice to speak with you, too, dear. Bye. Tuesday, the 17th, 1 p.m. with Barbara. Uh, may I help you? I, I have an appointment with uh, Mr. Wardell. Why, of course, Miss Chapman. I didn't recognize you. Oh, please do sit down. I'm Simone, Nick's wife. I'm very glad to meet you. Well, Max certainly didn't prepare us adequately. Is there something wrong? Oh, on the contrary, Elaine. You're quite attractive. Frankly, I was expecting... 
Well, I was expecting... A much older woman. Uh, Exactly. It's a pleasure to see a woman of your era so youthful and elegant. Well, not all of us are in retirement homes. Well, I didn't mean it that way. I know. I I want to tell Nick that you're here. And um, in the meantime, could you fill out this biography sheet and read over the production contract? Oh, Max will handle all that for me. Uh, Yes, I know. However, we'd like you to review it before we make you an offer. You mean... I'm accepted? Uh, Well, no. This is merely a formality. We want you to know what you're getting into. Oh. Oh, yes. Of course. Elaine, uh, breaking into commercials is very, very difficult. Now, I wouldn't get my hopes up, but on the other hand, you never know. Just fill this one out first, and this one second. And um, did you bring some glossies? What? Photographs. Oh, yes. Yes, I have them here. Super. Now, you just take your time. I want to sleep with Nick for a moment, and then we can all sit down and discuss renewing your career. Well, that would be, that would be wonderful. She's here. That bad, huh? No, my dear, that good. So what's the problem? She won't fit into an image mold. She's too old to be a housewife. She's too well-preserved. She's she's attractive and stylish and elegant, and she's not just everybody's granny. Well, that's bad. She's got to be typed. You know, if she would just let herself go to pot a little, we could use her for a consumer product campaign. Well, do you think she'd go along with it? Maybe. Maybe at this point she'd do anything. Was she having money problems? No, no, no. I checked her out. Those films she made were very profitable. Oh, but that was 30 years ago. Ah, she must be hurting for dough. Could be, but she looks substantial. That could be just a front. She's probably broke as hell. Anyway, we can name our terms and she'll take them. Damn that, Max. I should have told him we were swamped. Something to get out of this. Now, Nicholas, don't be so narrow. Now, just imagine the consequences. If you don't find something for sweet old Elaine... Max will never forget it. However, if we do use her in anything, you'll be Max's old fair-haired boy. And that means more clients, more prestige, more money. Oh, Simone, you're brilliant. (laughs) That's why you married me, dear. Mm -hmm. Well, are you ready to greet our newest and most important client? Get her. One star coming up, Chief. Elaine, would you come in, please? Oh, yes. I haven't finished your form. Oh, don't bother, dear. I'll take care of it. Elaine Chapman. What a pleasure. Elaine, my husband, Nicholas. Sit down, sit down. Oh, this is a real pleasure. Well, I'm going to let you two talk. Well, now, don't leave on my account. Well, somebody's got to run the office. We can't stop the process, even for stars. <laughs> well, you're embarrassing. <laughs> See you later. Oh, and Elaine... Don't sign any contracts until Max sees them. Your wife is so nice. Oh, I know. Simone's a rare find. Beauty and brains. Yep, she's the one that really runs our office, not me. Well, how does it feel to be back? Ready to step in front of the cameras again? I'm hardly back. (laughs) It's just a matter of time. The public will go bananas when they see you on television. You know, Elaine, you haven't changed a bit. Only 30 years worth. No, but it's not true. Because you're as young as you feel, huh? 
Oh, if I saw you on the street, I would think you're in your late 30s. Uh, say, uh, Elaine, you didn't happen to uh, uh, have, uh, you know, a facelift? No. No, honestly, I know I didn't. Just checking. I mean, nobody your age should look that good. Well, anyway, we have to figure out where to launch you. It should be a product with class, good taste, something everybody can identify you with, and it's not going to be easy. No, sir, not easy. Well, anything, you know, is fine. Max suggested a bank officer. No, no, no. The money boys want silver-haired widows or an old couple. Now, you don't look like the corner grandmother. Oh, Automobiles. Uh, could I fit in there? Oh, are you kidding? They want young people tearing up the road or slinky women with an animal on a leash. Listen, times have changed. It's all visual now. Eye appeal, sex appeal. We are selling expectations. Automobiles? Why would they want to see you in a car? I, I guess it was a stupid idea. Uh, come on, come on. It's not hopeless. Now, we just have to plug you into the right product. Something with tone, substance. Oh, I'm going to make a star of you yet. Elaine Chapman, queen of the commercials. That would be marvelous. Ah, yes. Well, let's work on it. We'll call the ad agencies to get a sense of the industry. Because it's a whole new ball game. A fresh start. Well, just leave it to us. We'll get you on that tube one way or the other. Count on it, Elaine. Count on it. Mother, please, calm down. They love me. Oh, Kim, it was so wonderful to be going back to work. What kind of commercial are you going to make? Nothing yet. I mean, you know, Mr. Wardell said that it would take some time. Mm-hmm. However, it is going to be dignified. You, uh, uh, did you discuss money or, or did you sign anything? Of course not. Max will handle everything. Oh, this is the happiest day of my life. Commercials are hardly dramatic roles. Well... Now, this is quite an improvement over Roberto de Leon's film. Or would you like me to reconsider that? No, no. No, we're delighted. It's only the... Only what? Do you realize how difficult it is to break into commercials? Yes, and that's why we're concerned. There has to be a catch. You don't want me to work in R-rated movies or commercials. And I am tired of sitting home and playing mommy. I want my own life. Fine, fine. But don't make any wild decisions. I am perfectly capable of handling myself. Now, I'm going to renew my career, and you're going to have to live with it. Would you trust my judgment for a change? Hello? Elaine, darling, wonderful news. The Wardells like me? Like, like, they adored you. Nick wants to build a whole campaign around the Elaine Chapman image. Oh, Max. They want you to be at the Riverside Studios next Wednesday, 8 a.m. sharp. I'll be there at 7.30. Bring a black evening gown, no decollete, something very sophisticated. Oh, I'm so excited. And now are you sitting down? Why? He's made you an offer. I'm sitting. A flat deal. Five one-minute commercials for, well, it's not top dollar, but it's $10,000. Should I say yes? Elaine? I'll take it. Oh, you're certain? Yes, yes. Okay, you got a commercial. My other phone's ringing. Remember, Wednesday, eight on the button. Uh, Max, what am I selling? Oh, shh. 
wish I'd... I never asked. Don't worry, it'll be something in good taste. Gotta go. Mom? I did it, dear. I am on the verge of a whole new existence. It's like... It's like a dream come true. For the next week, Elaine Chapman lived in the clouds. Wednesday could not come soon enough. She felt as if all the unused, unproductive years had been washed away. Her mood was exuberant. And with almost schoolgirl anticipation, she looked forward to being in front of the cameras again. She barely slept Tuesday night as a torrent of thoughts rushed through her mind. What kind of commercial would she make? Maybe she would be rediscovered. Perhaps this could lead to a part in a movie. Elaine's wishes and hopes danced joyously before her eyes. She was up, dressed, and ready to leave for the Wardell Studios at six. And at the stroke of eight, she walked onto the sound stage, prepared to resume her career. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, Simone. Hi, yes. Harry. Give full power on the back of the set. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. And bring it down. Good. Well, good morning, Madam Chapman. Ready to go to work? Since six o'clock. I haven't slept all night. I, I was so frantic. You know, the script didn't arrive. Elaine, can I see your changes? Naturally. Now, I brought this one. And, and this uh, one? Uh, what do you think, Nick? Uh, the black gown. It'll make her look thinner. That's right. Uh, the dressing room's right over here. I don't mean to. Uh, you know, what am I selling? Oh, didn't Max sell it? It's house paint. House paint? It's for a national sponsor. You're lucky to get it. I know a thousand women who would kill for this chance. Oh, I thought... Well, uh, don't we have to go on location? Harry, too much light. No, we do everything right here in the studio. The scenes are superimposed against the spokesman. Oh, I, oh, I see. Now, don't worry, Elaine. It's a piece of cake. But my lines, I really need to, you know, work on the script. Uh, you don't have any lines uh, for this one. Uh, you see, dear, we feel that your voice is just fine, really. But we need um, uh, a stronger tone of... of bit more youth. Elaine, you see, we have a voice-over system here. I guess you remember it as uh, dubbing or looping. I, I, I don't speak? No, no. Just stand at stage center. And we can go over the blocking on camera after you change. All right, dear? Well, I never expected that... Well, I better change. Sure thing, babe. No sweat. It's going to be fine. What do you think? She's a loser. I'd replace her in a minute if we could. All right, now, Nick, keep you cool. More than Elaine Chapman is writing on this. Are you all set, Elaine? Yes. Fine. Now, remember, walk to stage center, hit the mark on the floor, look at the camera with the red light. Got it. And remember to extend your right arm. That's it. And you're showing the audience a wonderful, freshly painted home. It's your home, Elaine, and you're very proud of it. Now, let's have a big smile. Good. Do you want me to mouth any lines or sponsor's name or anything? No, hon, just walk and smile. A big, bright Elaine Chapman smile. You know, like the one you used to flash to Gable. I'm ready. That's good. All right, Harry, set the lights a touch lower. 
Ah, super. Okay, everybody. Chapman spot, take one. And action. Oh, she's dropped her left shoulder. Cut. Elaine, you got to throw your shoulders back. You're slouching. You know, stand straighter. It firms everything up. Okay? And remember, we got an optical going in behind you, so don't move around. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get it this time. Oh, Simone, she's going to be a walking disaster. Chapman spot, take two. Okay, go. Good. Uh, she's moving nicely. Fine. Look at the right camera. Okay. Uh, extending her arm. Oh, damn. Cut! Something wrong? Did no, I make Nick, a mistake? Take it oh, easy. Good, Simone. Elaine, the movement was fine. The arm's good. But you didn't smile enough. I want a big, broad, wonderful smile. You see, you're happy about this product. You want others to be happy about it, too. Now, give us a smile. I was, I was trying. Not hard enough. Well, it's really quite strange to work without props or scenery. Or lines. Well, I'm not making gone with the wind, you know. It's a one-minute commercial. This is not Metro or Paramount. I'm sorry. The industry has changed. So, well, go with it, huh? It's just a lousy commercial. Is the paint lousy, too? What does that matter? They're paying you some big bucks to love it. Let's shoot it again. No. I'm not putting my name on some lousy product. Elaine! Let me handle her. Elaine, dear. I do understand your concern, Nick. Nick just meant it as a figure of speech. Now, this company is really quite well known. Why don't we try it again? All right, dear? I don't think so. There's something wrong. I don't have any lines. I don't know what company I'm working for. I haven't seen the product. The whole thing seems backwards. From your era, it is. This isn't grand cinema. It's mass selling with modern techniques. After you finished your walking, we dub in an enthusiastic voice. The optical is a beautiful home. It may not be the home that was painted with a sponsored product, but who cares? I do. I've always cared where I worked and in which movie. I don't work in cheap, second-rate films or cheap, second-rate commercials. And that's why you haven't been in anything for years. Nick, shut up. No, he's right. No matter how badly I want to make a comeback, there is a place where I draw the line. Good morning, Mr. Wardell. Elaine, darling, what can I say? I'm so stupid. This whole thing was my fault. I tell you one fact. Those Wardells are finished. Oh, Max, don't waste your energy on them. I brought this on myself. I should have realized. I wasted so many years wishing, hoping for the impossible. I lived in the past when I should have been living in the present. Because I held on to my fantasies, I threw away half my life. Don't, don't put yourself down. I'll work something out. Now, Max, it's over. You know, I drove away from that hard studio, seething with anger. I raged. I wanted to go back there and scream at them. But then, th this whole thing hit me. It was like, well, it was like a revelation that there is more to life than the past. Oh, Max, how I held on to the past. 
clinging to the old scrapbooks and old press clippings. It was as if I had just grown up in an instant. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'd get you into the right studio next time. Leave it to Max. You haven't been listening to anything I've said. My career is behind me. I'm finished playing a role. I want to be myself. I had a wonderful career. It was glamorous, exciting, but it's over. I don't ever want to step in front of a camera again. You shouldn't think like that. I should have said it myself years ago, instead of wallowing in self-pity and sitting by the telephone waiting, always waiting. What a waste of time, energy. Max, I should have built on my career, used it as a stepping stone beyond illusions and dreams to fulfill the balance of my life. Oh, you make me sad, Elaine. I had hoped that you would succeed. But I have. The Wardells were the best thing that ever happened to me. They held up the mirror, the mirror I never really wanted to look into. Max, I have put away my toys and my pretty clothes, my childish wishes. I can't recapture all those misspent years, but I can have today, which will fulfill me tomorrow, and look forward to the future, which will fulfill me today. The Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, I Thought She Was Dead, was written by Ken Gerard and produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your hostess was Cicely Tyson. Our star was Marion Ross. Featured in the cast were Corey Burton, Anne Given, Fletcher Markle, Jerry Hausner, and Lillian Byer. The music for radio theater was composed and conducted by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliot Lewis production of Radio Theater is a presentation of CBI. This is Leonard Nimoy. Listen to us tomorrow. I've got another story of adventure about men and women defying the odds. Listen here tomorrow. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. 
Good night. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic and live radio drama. So yeah, either the main Mutual Audio Network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.